everybody, and welcome back to another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands. Uh, back, as always, is me, Kishan Bachelor, joined by... Me, Nina Kern. <laughs> How's everything going for you this week, Nina? Okay, so I had a very embarrassing moment today. Like, Ooh. Um, horrifically embarrassing. So you know how Spotify will tell you what you've listened to for the year? Uh-huh. So I Your click, rewind? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I click on that today, right? And I'm looking at my rewind. And I'm getting to know a gentleman who is a musician. And he has a couple beats that slap, as the kids say. Uh-huh. So I listened to it so many times, it ended up being in my Spotify, like, most listened to song of the year, most listened to artist of the year. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even think I listened to it that many times. And we just started talking. So that means from October until whenever they stopped gathering data... That's how much I listen to that stuff. I hope he does not listen to this podcast so he doesn't find out. Yo, there is... Well, if he does do that, then he's, he's like, stalking you at an equal amount, which is okay. As long as you guys are stalking each other equally, that's love. Once the scales tip one way or the other, that's a felony. But honestly, like, you're probably... He gets his analytics from Spotify, and it's probably just, like, one person just listening to it. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm so on? worried he's going to find out. My roommates assured me that he like Spotify won't tell him, but I don't. I'm not convinced. It won't say your name, but it'll, okay. but it would definitely say say that like one person is listening more than other people. Man. I think. Well, ugh, and I messed up my contact just now. Maybe you should uh, see better. Oh my god! Would help in the future. Yeah, but other than that, I'm going. It, the week's going fine. But that was horribly embarrassing today. It's the angriest way to say the week is well, going fine. I'm just fine. mad about my contact. So uh, we're back with a freshly contacted yes, uh, we, Nina Kern. We have our eyes are refreshed. We are ready to go. What about you, Kashan? How's your week been? Have you done anything horrifically embarrassing? Uh, see, I don't know. It's weird. You always seem to have embarrassing stories, and I just seem to be a normal functioning adult. So no. Uh, <laughs> I went to work. I did... Uh, quite a few hours of research on this. Today, our topic is, uh, at the time it happened, the largest bank corporate bankruptcy to happen in America, Enron. Yes. Now, Enron went from, literally, they, they took... They went from the best of times to the worst, worst of, of times, times. Which I know we did that in another podcast when... We talked about something, but they, they really did have the best of times and then the worst of times. The tale of two Jerry's. It was the, the tale of two Jerry's. scandal. Yep. You said you listened to that like today. Well, over the course of like two days. Well, great. Uh, so basically over 10 years, this small, like this company that merged from two smaller local Houston energy companies mm-hmm. um, went from $10 billion, the worth of $10 billion to $65 billion. And it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I mean. We've talked about the like the law of high numbers and and the deception about how much a billion really is uh, before. Uh, and now think of that sixty five times. It's crazy. And they took ten years to amass this, and all of that took twenty four days to go bankrupt. Which is, you know, it would. It's really remarkable to be honest. Yeah, at the at the time of its height, Enron. Uh, was the seventh largest company in America. Yep. You were doing everything. good if you worked for Enron. Yeah, they employed 20,000 people. You know, uh, they were huge. They were the biggest energy company by far. But they started out as an energy company. Yes. So basically, one of the people we're going over today, uh, his name is Ken Lay. Who looks... So much like my best friend's dad, who I hate. Oh. So they both suck. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, no, I hate that guy. Is it? I just, every time we do one of these and I see them, I'm always like, yeah. That's, he looks like an asshole. I was like, that's what that's what guy who does stock who's like 50 looks like. Yeah, he's like bald on top and he's like, a lot of, they're usually not like fat, but they're also not usually like 
skinny? Is it? No, they're, they're just they're, like they're very average. They're yeah. always extremely average-looking people. Yes, yes. I mean, I don't know. I think most people are average-looking, so that's why all these people, by definition, yeah, yeah. You know, like the majority of people are average-looking, so you know, makes sense. Plus, he's average-looking, so he's got to get his chances with hot babes, so he's got to be successful. I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, that tracks. That's my logic. That that tracks. You got it. Uh, but Also, sorry, no, hot ahead. take. I think that Ken Lay and I have the same shaped eyes. What? That's what you thought when you like saw a picture of me? Yeah, like, I was like, fuck. Dumb has got my eyes. They He's got my eyes. the same. Round? Yeah. Downturned. I don't know what that means. It means that your eyes look like they're sliding down your face. Like Sid the Sloth? No, not that bad. <laughs> I have downturned eyes. They droop. I'm going to see that every time I look at you now. That my eyes yeah. are sliding down my exactly. face or that I look they, like Sid from the They do this every year, Sid the Sloth. <laughs> I worked with a guy at Cracker Barrel that actually looked like Sid the Sloth. <laughs> it starts with an L. <gasps> Leprosy. Leprosy. <laughs> no, it ends with an E. <gasps> Life. <laughs> That's good. That's you. That's me. Uh-huh. I am Sid. So, uh, Ken Lay uh, created the company at the merger, and he helped name it. Uh, originally, it was going to be called Enteron, which... <laughs> Enteron. Okay. This is why This is why they... Uh, this is why they changed They didn't name. name it. They didn't want to be the butt of the joke for... Uh, let's see. How long ago did this happen? 20 years. Uh, but they, they formed it in 1985, and they quickly grew... Uh, to be one of the leading producers of energy. Uh, and then they hired this this guy. This mofo. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a fucking he asshole. He sucks. Everyone in this story sucks. No one has redeeming factors. I hate them all. They hired uh, Jeff Skilling. And they hired Jeff Skilling right after what is kind of the first... The first idea that this company may not be uh, the golden boy of companies because uh, right before they hired Jeff Skilling, they had something called the Valhalla scandal mm-hmm. happen to them. Valhalla because the two traders that perpetrated it lived in Valhalla, New York. Yes. Not because it was like done by Norse warriors like I originally thought. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Is that a Norse thing? Valhalla? Yeah, it's like Norse heaven. Why do you know that? Do you, are you do you do that Norse religion? Do I do the Norse religion? No, yes. I don't do the Norse religion. I do the agnostic. But that's I don't know. It's just it's like knowledge. I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now. Oh, it's because you are you. But are I, playing the video game. No, but I did know that before that happened. But yeah, Val, Valhalla. Friends, yeah, go ahead. One of my friends has a coworker who celebrate who not celebrates who uh, practices the Norse god religion. No, they don't. Yes, they, they fake do. that shit. That's like being a Wiccan. They're not real. They're fake. They're fake religions. I'm gonna text Alex right now and be like, "Is this real?" Great. He believes like Thor and Odin or like actual believe in fucking it. people. His coworker does. Okay, that no, that guy. And then they have orgies. That guy's an that guy's an edge lord, and he's just <laughs> he's just trying to be cool. It's not <laughs> he does not actually believe that if he dies in battle, he will go to Valhalla and eat at Odin's table and like fight and then come back. Like all it is is feasting and fighting. They like eat a shit ton and go out and kill all each other on the battlefield, but they just wake up back in the hall. So it's like a it's it's like a heaven for warriors. That sounds like hell. No, that's hell. Spelled H-E-L. That's the Norse underworld. All right. What I'm learning today is that I know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing, Nina Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Valhalla scandal happened. So basically part of Enron subsidiaries is this oil trading company. So they're, they're uh, natural gas and oil at this time. And this oil trading company called Enron Oil, because they're very inventive at naming these things, uh, it gets uncovered that they're gambling a lot of money in like the oil market. So this is coming on from... A lot of uh, natural resources like this used to be regulated by the governments. So there was a governmental agency that As it should be. Yeah. And we're going to get into why it should be because this is an exact reason why it should be all of this story. But basically they would tell you how much you could charge for certain things. Right. Um, But in this... That doesn't sound like capitalism. 
Exactly. And that's what all the Republicans were saying mm-hmm. around this time in Reaganomics. Fuck the EPA. And Reagan was really for deregulating uh, businesses. So he wanted to take those caps off. So what they did is that made a really volatile market where uh, supply and demand drives the prices of these things. And these people were basically betting a lot of money on oil futures, like saying that the price of oil is going to go up at a certain time. When they didn't know. When they they really didn't know. They were gambling outside their means. They were putting a lot of money into it. And this they, they were they were investing this through shell accounts. Um, and they're like supposedly like this financial uh, advisor that it was going through in right. another country. This is my favorite part of the scandal. His by the way. name was M. M? Yes. Or my ass. My ass. My ass. <laughs> they had companies that were called uh, I M Smart. These people didn't even try. Well, what's funny is is that they did this for so long and didn't get caught. And it's like, who was not watching? Because this is clearly like some seventh grade bullshit. Well, that, that's the thing is, too, is that they did get caught technically. Like, Well, they did, yeah. Like, they went down there and they found all of this. And they went down there and they made them show them, like, their actual books. Because they found that they were falsifying the books. Right. They made them show them the actual books, which showed that they were taking huge risks. Uh, but a lot of them had worked out so far, so they had still made them a lot of money. So Ken Lay, the the CEO at the time, sent this letter to them even that said, you know what? Keep doing keep, what you're doing. Keep making even, us millions. But, That's what it said. But weren't they, but they actually weren't making millions, correct? Uh, they did Part for, of it was like they were cooking the books. They were cooking the books. Now, they were making a little bit of money. Right, but uh, they weren't making as much as it appeared to be because they no. were just gambling. But when they lost, they weren't reporting the losses. They they were yeah. only reporting, reporting the, profits, the, the profits. And, and yeah, they were they were hiding the books and they were skimming money off all of the transactions as well to keep for themselves. Right. Uh, but Lay, basically, it came to him and he said, nah, it's it's working. He said that this is the only sector of this company that is valuable right now. So I'm not going to shut them down. You can't shut down my ass. You can't shut down my ass if I had a nickel. kashan uh, <laughs> has got a dump truck ass. Uh, I do. The customers at work, they love it. Every time I back up, I'm legally required to make a beeping sound. Legally yes, required. He does. Uh, <laughs> so, but eventually, their losses amount to so much that they they have to flip it on them. Right. You know, they report all these losses, and then they they get arrested. Um, one of them went to jail for one year, and basically, this was like. This was what was making Enron money at the time, though, were these people gambling all this money away. So now, uh, fucking Ken Lay is in dire straits because the rest of the company isn't doing well. You lost right. your biggest moneymaker because they were doing things illegally. So who do you bring in? Jeff Skilling, the the biggest asshole in this story. Jeff Skilling has a face that you just want to punch. Yeah, at one point he said stuff like, I am Enron, uh... And there was a story in a, in the documentary I watched about this where they had an anecdote where his college professor asked him if he thought he was smart. And he was like, I'm fucking smart. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, this guy's a dick, dude. He was a dick. And he liked being an asshole to everybody. Wasn't he the one who, um, like, put the work, was rating the employees? Yeah. So he implemented something called the PRC, which was That's the what it was called. Performance Review Commission, because his favorite book was a book called The Selfish Gene, which is all about how humans are instinctively selfish. And he thought that money was the only thing that motivated people. He actually said that publicly at one point. He yeah. said money is the only thing that motivates people around here. So he brought in the PRC, be, and every year they would rate all of their employees from one to five. One, One being, being the, the best, best. Yep. five being the worst. And by the was it by the end of the year, 10% of the employees had to be rated a five. Yeah, it was so the end it, of the year and it was 15%. Had oh, it to be, was 15. Had to be rated a five. Yeah, and so it, it instilled this like crazy work, I guess not work ethic, but I don't know what else to call it. It would be like, I, almost like, it was a fear. It, yeah, it was our it was our Darwinian survival of the fittest yeah. kind of thing that would happen here. There was a ex trader that they did an interview with that he, literally he was saying the mentality was if you're walking into the office to give your trading reports and you walk by a guy and stomping on his neck would double your report, I'd fucking jump on that shit. Yeah, like he said that. And he's like, he's like, that's what, that's what this created because those yeah. 15%, they were automatically terminated at the end of the right. year. Right. And, and, it caused a lot of employees to work up to 18 hours a day 
just so that they could get their stuff done, just so they could be rated on this fake performance review that Skilling just made up because he's a dick. Yeah, and at, at this point, the like the company savvy of you will probably be asking yourself, but wait. They're an energy company. Why do they have all of these traders with portfolios? Right. And that's because Jeff Skilling didn't want them to be an energy company anymore. He wanted them to be an energy market trader. So with the deregulation of with the deregulation of utilities, they opened it up to a market. And on the open markets where you buy and trade uh, companies, uh, money, uh, futures, stuff that we've talked about here, now that uh, the utilities are an open market, you can trade them. Right. So it moved from the point where uh, you would have to go through a governmental body to be able to sell to somebody. Mm-hmm. Now you can make buy and sell uh, offers just openly at whim. So they wanted to move from being a company that produces the energy to being a company that just buys and sells energy from other people. They actually became the first company to uh, be the only transport national like gas line. So they would have a gas line that wouldn't like it wasn't to actually pull it out from the earth and get it to like a refining plant or, or whatever or get it to people. It was just to transport it between places to sell it to other companies, other people. And they did it with natural gas to start out, but they wanted to do it with more. I mean, they did some weird shit. They really did. Yeah, they did it with uh, they did it with broadband, mm-hmm. with bandwidth on internet. Mm-hmm. They would sell, buy, they would literally buy and sell internet. Right, and one, I, I mean, maybe we'll talk about this later. Maybe I'm. Jumping we will the, the, gun blo- about. the blockbuster deal. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll get to yeah, that. I'll, yeah, I'll shut up. Um, they they did that. They bought and sold. I. Shit, you. Firstly, we'll say electricity. They did it with electricity. That'll also be a big thing. And then they did it with fucking weather. Yeah, they started trying to sell the weather. They sold weather futures. Where no sense. Where you could like it was basically gambling. Like you could say like it's going to be rainy on this day, and you would like pay to say I bet that it or I think it's going to be rainy on this day. You had a bunch of meteorologists like literally sitting down and trying to work out if it was going to be, and then they could like. Get money for it. It wasn't Ken Skilling. I mean, Jeff Skilling's uh, brother, a meteorologist. I don't know that for sure. I never saw that. I think he was. That would make sense, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his older brother was a meteorologist, um, which would make sense because he was like, oh, I know weather shit. And so then he was able to spin it in a way for people to be able to bet on the weather. And and Jeff Skilling was like, so this whole company to me... it's like the toxic masculinity of companies. Like, I think that company mentality is honestly, like, a, really akin with a lot of the toxic masculinity traits, like, in America right now that we deal with. Uh, and Jeff Skilling was the fucking poster boy for toxic mm-hmm. masculinity. Yep. He, uh, he, like, he was a thrill seeker. Yeah, he loved to do dangerous shit. Like, he would take other employees or coworkers with him to do, like, extreme dirt biking yep. stuff like that and somebody got hurt one time and he was like that's the kind of guy i like a guy that'll take risks yeah and this and this is his like this goes along with his like selfish gene like survival of the fittest he's like he's like live every life or live every moment of your life like it's your last kind of thing uh yolo but back in back in the 90s so kill yourself i guess is what that is I don't know. I like. I don't get it. But if you ask no, no, my no, uncle, no, that's a bad use of words, just because of how this ends. Well, you, yeah, we'll I all find about out that. Uh, but uh, if you ask my uncle, toxic masculinity is what saved this country on multiple occasions. Don't listen to my uncle. I'm not. I I feel like your uncle drinks a lot of whiskey at family gatherings. My uncle also has a picture of himself with a raccoon hat on Facebook. So, bro, it's better than him just. Like having a picture with a big fish or like a dead deer. I'm sure you have a bunch of friends that have those profile pictures. I wouldn't say a bunch of friends, but a lot of people on Tinder have that. If that's what you're doing, you're like, look at my fish. No, that's like... This fish will get me pussy. Yeah, no, they think that. You should see (laughs) how many Tinder profiles have guys with fish in them. Dead fish. Oh my God. It's like an insane number. (laughs) And in the city. In Chicago, Illinois. 
Hey, baby, you want to hop up into my, my lifted F-350? Get on in here. You smell hey, that? You smell I'm that? a country man. <laughs> That's deer piss. Oh, gross. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go up into a blind later. You call it deer piss. I call it lube. <laughs> Do you? So, like, <laughs> I just want to know, like, when a thought pops in your head. Is there any little voice that's like, it's like, should I say that? Because I feel like when you say things like you call it deer piss, I call it lube comes out of your mouth, that there cannot be any little Nina up there regulating the flow of words out of your mouth. No. <laughs> My God. I have an education degree, too. Who gave me that? <laughs> so back back to Enron. Uh, Jeff Skilling, he's an asshole, and that's when we're gonna enter uh, another asshole. Entron. <laughs> Ent- I'm crying. I was laughing so hard. I'm crying. <laughs> Ent- Entron. Uh, let's talk about uh, Andrew Fastdown next. So we've already talked about. Oh, I hate this guy too. So Ken Lay became the uh, chairman of the board when they brought on Jeff Skilling to be the CEO. And every CEO needs a CFO, and that CFO is uh, Andrew Fastow. And this guy is like—he's such a little bitch. He is a bitch. He got hired here like before he was thirty, which is young for like obviously being a CFO of a, of a company. Hmm. Um, I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah, well, he looks really old later, like in yeah. the videos you see of him. Because yeah, I he, thought he was in his 50s when it all went down. He worked there for a long time, but he did become the CFO when he was uh, just around 30. Hmm. Um, and he's the one who he, he covers all of the financial aspects of the company, obviously. So he's going to come into play later. I just figured I'd mention his name. And then also someone, uh, the last person, the last big player we got to go over is a name called Lupi. Yes, this uh, guy. Lupi was what Jeff Skilling called his ICBM or his Intercontinental Ballistic Missile because uh, he was known for destroying the competition. Hey, hey, you want to see my uh, ballistic missile? It's very small, but, but it, it packs, packs a, a punch. punch. Oh, <laughs> we're spending too much time together. Oh, man. This is what we get when we talk to each other for hours every single week. Uh, Sigh. He was the CEO of Enron Energy Services, or mm-hmm. EES for short. And uh, they say they said that Lou Pie loves two things the most in the world, and that's money and strippers. He loved strippers! There were all these fucking, like, stories of him bringing strippers from, like, the club next door up to his office and, like, showing them the corner office and oh, he them giving him more him than a, the corner office. Showed him his missile. He showed him his ballistic missile. And he said, it's small, but, but it, it packs, packs a, a punch. punch. Uh, and then he gave them money and they did whatever they he wanted. And obviously, uh, he did blast inside of them because one of them did get pregnant Oops. And, and he divorced his wife to marry his pregnant stripper girlfriend which if that's a sentence you can say about your life it's not going good or it's going, or it's great. going great yeah <laughs> i mean or you just don't care about anyone but yourself you're selfish which honestly that's so stupid that he divorced his wife because he was so rich he owed her so much alimony it was probably insane oh yeah it well, would have been way cheaper Ah, uh, you know what? Maybe I should not say that. I feel like it might be cheaper to just pay child support. I mean, yeah, but your I don't wife, know. Your wife is probably going to divorce you anyway, right? Like you fuck strippers like on the daily. If you fuck strippers on the daily and you make that much money, you can hide an illegitimate child like, from your wife. Plus, I guess he's kind of a dick. Obviously, <laughs> he's called the ICBM Weird. because I guess. This was a story that's been perpetrated, so I don't know if it's 100% true, but I guess they were all at the strip club because he would, like, take the traders, like, down to the strip club with him uh, yeah, uh, to go know. down there. And at one point, one of the people asked him, hey, uh, Lou, how do you cover up the smell of the of the the strippers, uh, not cologne, perfume when you go home? Like, we're all single, but you have a wife. And he says, well, you know what? I just stopped by. Uh, the gas station on the way home, and I make sure I drip a little gas on my suit so the gas smell covers up the perfume. And I guess the trader then said to him, but Lou, won't your wife then think you're fucking the gas station attendant? And they kind of all laughed, but he was so pissed off about it that he got him, tr- he got him like, 
uh, transferred to a, a sector <laughs> in Canada, like a cold ass place in Canada. <laughs> it was a good joke, though. Yeah, no, that's fucking hilarious. That's funny. But he actually got out pretty. He was the one who got out great and all this because. Oh yeah, he knew what he was doing. He left early. Well, to be fair, oh, he's always had to cover his tracks with those strippers. So That's he already fair. knew what he was, he was doing. Used to he it. was yeah. like planning ahead, scheming, scamming, because he's like, I gotta cover up these strippers he, until he got that girl pregnant. But you know, he was cheating on her too. He knew how to cover his ass. He's like, I know how to get lipstick off my collar and also off my dick, and also fuck off from this company with two hundred and fifty million dollars. That's how much he left with in money because he sold all of his stock in Enron yep. when he left at its height. When was, it was like $90 a share. And this is in early 2000, so this is that's crazy. So much money. Uh and he and he moved to Colorado and became the second largest landowner in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Which is in Which is weird, random. But uh so now that we know all of the people, we get to move into what actually happened with Enron. How did it become literally the seventh largest country in America to absolute shit. Seventh largest country in America? A seventh largest corporation in the country <laughs> that is America. You got me. I did. I did. Uh, now, Enron was the largest campaign, corporate campaign contributor to the first George W. Bush campaign. George W. George W. Strategy. Uh, our Lord and Savior. Our Lord and Savior, George W. Bush. And we love him, the 44th, pres- 43rd president of this great nation. 43rd, right? I think it's 44th. Fuck. Because 44th. Obama was 45. Dang it. 44th. Trump was 46. So so Ken Lay was actually a, was like a close family friend with the Bush family, mostly George H.W. Bush. Yeah, he actually drove George H. and Barbara to George W.'s inauguration. Yep. He flew them there. He got, he got a... Oh, he flew them. Yeah, he got a jet to take them there, and then, like... Because the presidential jet was not good enough. I guess not. Uh, it also... I think it can only be used by the president, not his family. Not even a former president? I don't think so. You don't look, they get their own former president jet? No, because don't you remember, like, uh, Richard Nixon, when he... Uh, Resigns. He literally took Navy One, the helicopter, home before it was final so that he could still use it. Yeah, but he was in trouble. No, it's just the same for all presidents. You oh, just don't, okay. You don't get to use the shit anymore. You don't get to go shit in the White House toilet anymore. Wow. It's not, it's not yours. I never thought about them shitting in the White House. It's not. Yeah. I mean, LBJ, which we've also talked about before, was famous for having like having talks and meetings and then literally getting up and going into the bathroom, leaving the door open, sitting down and taking a shit while still having the conversation. Gross. Yeah, I know. It's fucking gross. Where, I need that information because one of my friends actually likes LBJ. Oh, my God. And I need to send him that info. It's a terrible president. And that's not just my thoughts. That's a lot of people's thoughts. I agree. Uh, so they're the they're, they're a big friend of the Bush uh, family and who is now the president. And they push even harder for deregulation. And uh, basically, here's the whole thing Enron did. So they would... More they, like what? What did Enron not do? Yeah, they did. They did a lot, and so Jeff Skilling basically in this new. This was a revolutionary idea. This idea to to buy and sell and create a market for utilities was crazy. No one had ever done this before. That actually got them on the Forbes most innovative company list. They were number one. They were Forbes number or Fortune's number one most innovative company for seven years in a row. Because this had never been heard of before. And because it Yeah, had, because it's shitty and you yeah, shouldn't do it. It is shitty and it's very stupid. And uh, Jeff Skilling, who came up with it, went to the SEC commission or the SEC because the C stands for commission, RIP in peace. Um, <laughs> and he went to them and they had to basically create a set of w- what you can do with this. Like, how do you do this? And they basically, he convinced them to let him do Mark to market accounting. And this is very important for how the rest of the scam ran. So what mark to market accounting is, is that whenever you sign a contract, you get to immediately write the value of that contract into your accounts, in your books as a profit. 
as a source of revenue, no matter how oh, long it takes or if you got the money now. That's right. Yeah, or if you get the money later, it doesn't matter. It goes into your account as profit. So if you sign a 10-year contract for $50 million, you it can, shows that you have $50 million. As soon as you sign the contract, you can put in your books that your company made $50 million no matter what happens from then on out. So it looks like you're company is much more profitable than it actually is. Exactly. Which is super shitty. And that's what they did. When they got this, they literally threw a fucking party because they knew what this meant. There was champagne. They were they were all excited and they, It was like Wolf of Wall Street. Exactly. And it wasn't because they they uh got like approval to run their business like this. It's because they got mark to market accounting. And there's all of these internal memos that say plainly like like, this is going to show that we have really high market value when it doesn't matter what the fuck we're doing. And that's what they did. It didn't matter what they did. As soon as they signed a contract, the money was, was shown on their account. automatically in the account. So we mentioned this earlier, the Blockbuster deal. Yes, yes. So this was one of the last ones they did. But when they were trying to sell broadband, like buy and sell broadband, they made a contract for $50 million with Blockbuster to stream video. Like which Netflix is what before we it was all, Netflix. Yeah, it was Netflix before Netflix, which was smart. But part of me wonders if this was part of, you know, everybody shits on block. I think a lot of people don't know this about Blockbuster. Because yeah. I didn't know about this until I started researching. And people are like, oh, Blockbuster didn't keep up with the times. But they actually were trying to be ahead of the times. They just, the technology wasn't ready to stream. It wasn't advanced enough to stream. So Enron was trying to push this. With Blockbuster before it was ready. So really, Blockbuster didn't sit on their asses like we all think that they did. They were trying to be innovative, and then Enron screwed them. Yeah, and well, the thing was, the technology wasn't there yet. We weren't ready ready. for that. Uh, And they lied to Blockbuster saying, hey, we're we're making the technology. It's going really good. We're going to get it out to you. And once they signed that contract, they put $50 million in their books, and then the entire contract fell through. And but they still got the fifty million of profit, even though that never made them a penny. It was a it was a loss because they put all that money into the trying to develop the technology and building the broadband system. It's just so shitty. Like they screwed over so many people. Yeah, it's unreal. And the the other thing they did. So uh, I want to also mention the other big stupid thing they did is that they wanted to invest internationally mm-hmm. in power markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically like they, they were the first American company to build a power plant in the UK kind of thing, uh, which was maybe a good move after they, uh, they privatized energy in the UK. And that's why they did that. But one of the things they did is that they built a power plant in India and a lot of energy companies were staying out of India because they thought it was a high-risk scenario. They didn't know if there was going to be a demand for right, as much right. energy as they were going to be creating. But uh, you know Jeff Skilling, all about the thrill-seeker and the risk-taker. Yeah. He decides to build this billion-dollar power plant in India. And this is so stupid. They build it, and literally, like, the Indian government can't afford to buy it. They can't afford to buy the energy. Because like, no one you has look into that. I get that's that's the whole thing. You think they would, but no, they don't. But they signed a contract. When they signed the contract to build the plant, they put all the money down as profit, and it was a it was a billion dollar loss. <laughs> that's a huge loss. But to to the stock owners, because this is a, is a public company, so to the stock owners, they're making money. And the way that stock prices go up is that you either have to meet or exceed the expectations for your company in that quarter. Right. And if that happens, the analysts get your stock and they may bump your stock. The people who analyze stock and value it and put its market value, it goes up. Right. And because they were doing all these bad deals and these mark-to-market accounting, they could always claim that they made a profit even when they didn't. Ugh, it just makes you know? me it makes me so mad. It just makes me so mad. So many people were buying this stock at like ridiculously high prices yeah. because they were lying. Well, it was so it was recommended by almost every financial accountant because they were making money every right. single quarter. It looked like a good investment when you were looking at it. Ugh. Almost everyone was buying into it. All the banks bought into it, which actually we'll get into that. So uh Andrew Fastow, the asshole we met earlier, yeah. uh, basically what he did is that he created a bunch of other companies, like shell companies. Yes, uh, yes. I the, forgot that he did that. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And the the largest one went by the acronym LJM. Didn't look up what it stands for. Doesn't matter. Probably something marketing. Uh, what he would do with these companies is that he would buy assets only from Enron. So he created these companies literally only to do business with Enron. And he would buy their debts. So he would buy the assets that had lost money so that the that Enron could write them off their books. <laughs> So they would hide $30 million of debt in these companies. And you're probably thinking, hey, but he's the CFO of Enron. And now he's also just like the owner of these companies, the president of these companies that are only do business with Enron. Isn't that a conflict of interest? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Super not okay. Super should not be legal. I don't know if it's illegal or not. It is. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it's illegal. He's one of the ones who gets arrested later, but it's only illegal because he's technically, he's a fiduciary. And a fiduciary in America means that. (laughs) Douche. Oh my God. I knew it. I fucking knew it. Uh, (laughs) Basically, they are legally required to act in the interest of their investors and not for themselves. So it is because he's really acting on his own because he would, he would buy these assets and he would also get all these investment banks on with him. So it wasn't just him. Banks were investing in this company to do deals specifically with Enron and buy their assets to flip them and sell them off to other people. And he skimmed by the end of this $45 million off of these just by himself on his side companies. There's nothing to do with Enron. He's the CFO of Enron. He's making money there, whatever, whatever. But he's made, he made $45 million by the end of it just in these shell side companies that he did that was purposely like buying. He was selling to himself, basically. He was selling assets to himself that he would then buy at whatever price he wanted. I just – the more we do these podcasts, <laughs> the more things we cover – I'm way dumber than I ever thought I was because I could never figure out how to do this. No, this is – you just got to – you got to fucking know people to be able to do this. You got to get people on your side because that's the thing. The banks were on, were in on it. The right. banks – there was this like meeting I watched where he was literally saying, he's like, yeah, I'm this. I'm the CFO and I'm the president of this, but, you know, it's going to work out for everybody. So coming in, it was a pitch to Merrill Lynch, one of the biggest banks. And Merrill, At the time. Yeah. And Merrill Lynch also, they – they they were complicit for sure because at one point Enron just sold them three Nigerian power barges, which has nothing to do with what Merrill Lynch does. No. But they, they bought them for f- like five months and then sold them back at like the same price. So that was literally a ploy just to get the expense from those barges off of Enron's accounts to make their numbers look good, to meet the quarterly numbers that they wanted to meet, to make it look profitable, get, to get their stock up, and then sold them back to them, which is illegal. You can't do that. I want to punch all of them in the face. It makes me so mad. No, uh, I was my blood was fucking boiling. Like, numbers. I'm mad right now. I'm like, thank God I'm drinking alcohol right now Man, because I'm angry. We're not even to the worst No, part, we're not honestly. even at the worst part. I These might. people just suck. They all suck ass. They all suck. They're assholes. Uh, they're literally like what you think of when you think of like day trader and them being like cutthroat and they only care about money and they'll literally kill you to gain like $100. That's all of these people. Uh, so that's the that's like the structured finance way that they got around. So they're hiding their debt. Mark to market accounting is making them show a profit and they can also value the profit that they're going to make off of it because they can write future profit as now profit mm-hmm. in this way. They can value it whatever they want. Yeah. And there are some stop gaps that like are supposed to, there's supposed to be checks and balances that watch over this. Yeah. So they have analysts. So analysts are supposed to be able to look over books and value a company, but they analysts had a hard time seeing through it because it's a black box because the leaders of Enron can tell them the contracts are worth whatever they're worth. Right. Right. They can lie to them. Yeah. And, and everyone took it at face value because Enron was such a powerful company. But it, it was a house of cards. It's, it's, it's all based on lies. One lie after another, after another, after another. And you can keep it all on as long as, you know, everything is still right, with as you. as long as everything's working. But as soon as it stops working, then it falls apart. It all tumbles in. At, at this point, uh, they're not doing so well. They're having to lie more and more to cover the actual losses of their company. Right. That it's starting to build up. But they have a brief saving grace. So... California decides to deregulate its electricity market. I'm laughing because I know what's about to happen. Yeah. So Enron takes this as a 
an opportunity to go in and buy uh, Pacific General Electric or PGE, and they merged with them, which was uh, the largest power provider, the only power provider, actually. It was a state-run power provider for California that when they made it privatized, they sold it to Enron into the private sector. And oh, oh, this is the worst part. I need to ask my dad. So my dad just retired recently, and he uh, worked for the biggest electric company in Northeast Ohio. I'm curious now if they're public or private. I don't know. That did not... You know, that brought nothing of value to this podcast, but I'm curious now. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing is only certain states decided to. Basically, federally, they gave them the opportunity to deregulate. Uh, I would assume they probably did because a lot of red states probably did because they were more for the uh, free market in almost everything. Yeah, Ohio's technically a swing state, so I'm not sure. Yeah, well, see, there you go. But, I mean, California is traditionally Democratic. It's traditionally blue, but they did it. I don't know. Uh, so they move in and they merge with Pacific General Electric and they fuck over California. So if you don't remember, there was a uh, there was a uh, energy crisis in California in the early 2000s yes. that happened to coincide exactly when Enron took over PGE. Oh, that's weird. And by the it's way, it's kind of like they're connected. <laughs> oh, who knows? Uh, when they took over PGE, PGE already had a bunch of employees that all had 401ks. And when a merger like this happens, all of the – because your 401k is usually investing in stock. Yeah. And in these specifically, it was investing in the stock of the company you worked at. So it was invested in PGE, this state-owned company that would st- that would go up with market value basically all the time. It wasn't very volatile. All of their 401ks switched over to Enron stock. Oh, my God. And all of the all of the employees at Enron, obviously, that we mentioned, all of their 401ks are in Enron stock. And you had a choice about how much you wanted to put in, and they consistently pushed all of their employees to put as much of their money in their 401ks into Enron stock because it was like a belief in the company kind of thing. It's seen as like tradition. Like, if you believe in this company, you'll invest in it with your 401k. Which is so shitty. Yeah. It's just so terrible to do that. And they were in, in this whole time, they know that they're doing this thing uh, called, called pump and dump, which is where you, <laughs> which is where you like art, artificially like raise stock prices and then you sell them off when they're at their highest and you know that they're going to crash. So, so. Which is, I mean, what Martha Stewart did. Yeah. Yeah. And all of the all of the uh, executives are doing that while consistently telling people to invest in it, because that's the thing. If their stock price goes up and people are buying stock, the company gets that money to invest. That's how they get capital to to operate. That's how the exchange commission goes. Uh So if they can get their stock higher, that's more money that they're getting when the people buy and sell their stock. Mm -hmm. Uh, So back to PGE, all of these people are now part of Enron and. These people who were uh, – I didn't look at their names. It's not really – No, it's not that It doesn't really important. matter. There were two uh, two traders that were in charge of the electrical market in California, two major ones. And from the top down, they decided to fuck with the market a little bit. This is the first time the market – As you do. Yeah, this is the first time the market has been free. And they realized that they could make money if they reduce supply or increase demand – Classic economics, supply and demand. Right. But now it's with electricity, literally something that keeps a lot of Americans alive. Yeah. Like literally. Like majority of Americans. So what they Almost would... Almost all of us. During this energy crisis, there were rolling blackouts where basically Enron was saying, hey, there's not enough electricity to go around. We're not, we're not making enough. And it was a lie. Oh, they were making more than enough. More than enough electricity to go around, but they were creating a false deficit by they they would literally send electricity to other places. They would move it around, which is a hard concept for me to grasp because it's like electricity isn't a thing. But they would do that. They would like send electricity to another state. Yep. They would take their electricity and, and ship it to another state or ship it to other parts of California, and they would create false deficits. And because now the electricity isn't priced at a certain price range, it's priced at whatever the market value is for it. Now that there's lower supply and higher demand, they can charge people like thousands of dollars for their electricity bills. It's this. It's so frustrating because, like, you hear blackout. You you know, for us at home, it's inconvenient. It's yeah. something that's you know, oh, my electricity's out for a couple hours. This is a pain in the ass. Whatever. 
for the people that work at the power company, yeah. it is so difficult to deal with blackouts. Well, and they were... It's not a simple thing to fix. Mm-mm. It's all hands on deck. It's stressful because my dad was a manager for, um, it's called First Energy. It's the power plant in Ohio. When there's blackouts, I mean, since he was a manager, if he was not in the office at the time, I mean, he's getting phone calls. He would have to go into work. I mean, it's all, it's an all hands on deck, you know, really (laughs) hard thing to figure out. And it's just so shitty that they would do this, like. Yeah, and they're doing that on purpose. They would on purpose. They would call power plants and they would tell them, "Hey, you know what? I think we have enough." Which is just weird. Like, yeah, we got enough electricity. Why don't you just shut it down? And they would be like, "Hey, can you just shut down for like three hours and then come back online?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, sure." And they would just shut the whole power plant off, and like the state would be like, "We don't have enough electricity." And then they'd flip it back on and give it back to them, and then charge them a super high rate for it because they could. So, uh, when I was a kid, I don't remember when this happened, exactly what year, but when I was, I was under 10, I remember that there was an individual in Ohio who caused a mass blackout on purpose, and it was a really big deal, and that guy went to jail for a super long time for doing that, well, and they were just doing it all the time. Well, that's the thing, too, is like, yeah, like, it was a whole year that they were doing this. Yeah, they were. Um, that's, that's the whole thing, is they were like... Blackouts are dangerous too. Street lights go off, so if it happens yep. at night, like you know, if it happens in this happened in summer, thankfully you they were worried about if it got to winter because heating, yeah, you know, electric heat, like people could literally freeze, especially in the northern parts of California. Uh, people were caught in elevators. And oh, I didn't get, think about elevators. Had to get saved by firefighters, and they in the documentary <laughs> I watched, which was uh, Enron, the smartest guys in the room, highly recommend. Um, they they showed all these scenes from these blackouts while playing phone calls between the two traders where they were literally like were like yeah fuck those like grandmas that like now have to spend like a thousand dollars for for their bill we're making money we're doing this they were like so blatantly like fuck all these people we we at least get money out of this I hate I hate people I this, hate these guys yeah this is this is greed to its max honestly this is the this story that we're covering. This one, I have been the most like, fuck these guys. They got everything they deserved. I mean, everybody else did too, but this one, I don't know why I'm so much angrier this time around, but I really am. Yeah, it was, it was insane, man. Uh, they, this whole ordeal, the energy crisis cost California $30 billion at the end. And then everybody wants to shit on California for being in debt. And it's like stuff like this happens and it's like they did, it wasn't their fault. And and here's the thing. They blamed their governor at the time, but their governor, the way that they wrote the law gave the federal government uh the power to intervene in the marketplace but not the state. Like it was the federal government's job to regulate it in the state and they contacted the federal government to help do something about it. But who's in the White House right now? George W. Bush. George W. Bush, who was friends with Ken Lay. And literally there was a meeting that they had. And then all of a sudden he came out and uh, George W. Bush is saying, we want to do everything we can to help California, but we will not interfere in by putting price uh, caps on things because it's not the federal mar- it's not the federal government's job to interfere in business like that. Very convenient. People are people are getting hurt. People are literally like they're losing their livelihoods because uh, what used to cost like forty dollars a kilowatt hour is charging up to a thousand dollars a kilowatt hour, which is just such an inc- an insane jump. And they didn't do it, so they blame it on their governor, and their governor ends up losing the reelection, and and he lost to Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. So Enron indirectly got Arnold Schwarzenegger elected as the governor of California. But they loved him. They reelected him. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, could be a good thing. You know, after doing after researching this, I realized what a shitty year. Oh, one was. Oh, I was. I mean, I was just a kid. I was like eight turned nine during oh one. So I don't really remember that much about it. Uh But I was like. Damn, what a bad year. You had Enron, all this shit happening. You had the Twin Towers. You had the McMillian scandal. Yep, it was a lot. George W. Bush became president. 
Well, it, was that? It was 2000. 2000, yeah. Always in uh, even number yeah. years. Yeah. They did eventually put so much pressure that they had to do something. Like, there were all of these, like, meetings that they had where, like, the Enron executives would come in and they would say stuff. Uh, Jeff Skilling made a really shitty joke at, like, one of their meetings where it was like, what's the difference between California and the Titanic? And they And he said, at least when the Titanic went down, they still had the lights on. Shut up, Jeff. Yeah, and so... Like, ugh! They did end up putting a cap on it, though, which did stop the problems. Which they had to. Yeah, they had to, and it, it, it solved the problems, uh, but it also spelt a lot of bad things for Enron because California... Oh, boo-hoo. California and them doing this was where they were now making their actual profit from by fucking all of these people over, like literally a whole, the largest state of people over. Um so they start going down, and this is also another thing. Ken Lay at a meeting with all of the employees literally said, uh, just like the terrorists are attacking America, now we're getting attacked. He he compared he compared a private investigation into their finances to 9-11, which had happened like th- months ago. Are you shocked though? And I like I don't know if anyone talks about that. It wasn't talked about in any of the other things I watched. No, but like, I didn't that, hear that. If so. that happened today, that dude's canceled. Well, but you know, technology has advanced so much since two thousand and one that I know it's just no one would have known that except for the people inside the room and maybe a couple reporters. It's just crazy. And this and that investigation came after this uh, uh, Bethany McLean, who was actually one of the co-authors of uh enron the smartest guys in the room the book that inspired the documentary that i watched uh she was i love this chick she's great yes she was awesome uh she was a fortune is she was a fortune reporter and she had called jeff skilling saying we're doing a piece on you and she literally asked him like hey how does enron make money and he couldn't answer. And he got so pissed off. He's like, why are you asking me these questions? And Jeff Skilling had a history of this. He, uh, at one time on a conference call with investors, an investor told him, he's like, why are you the only financial company that can't produce a balance sheet? And he said, okay, thanks, asshole. <laughs> like on a conference call with all of the big investors of this Fortune 500 company. You know, it reminds, it just... You know, it's when people like this get backed into a corner and they can't answer for themselves, they react like this. It makes me think of Brett Kavanaugh when he had to have his hearing before he was the um, Supreme Court justice about assaulting that woman, and he just flipped out. It's because they get backed into a corner, they don't know what to say, they don't know what to do, they haven't thought this through enough, and then they flip out. So th- this investigation happens. She sits down with uh, with Fastow at some point, and they have this whole – they go into details about the company with her. And as he's leaving, he turns around to her and says, write whatever you want about the company. Just, just don't make ma- sure it looks good. Yeah, just don't make me look bad is what he said to her. And she did look into it, and she saw something was funny. She doesn't understand how they're making all this money. Uh, and that's when the SEC launches uh, an informal investigation into them. And a little bit after that, the, st- the stock's already going down after, after PGE, and, the, and they cap it in California. Uh, what was around 80 goes down to 84, uh, then down to uh, 36. And right as this happens, uh, Jeff Skilling just resigns as CEO. Yeah, because he, so the whole plan was that he would back out now. Yeah. So that he was like, oh, and then when he, because he knew it was going to crash. He knew something bad was going to happen. Yeah, they, so yeah, they all left. know this is a lie. Yeah, they all knew. And so he left before it went, a- absolutely went under so that he could claim, oh, well, it was doing fine when I left. Yeah, he, he thought he could Lao Pai it, where Lao Pai got out and he took a bunch of money with him because he sold off his stock and he just... And, and he could just chillax, basically, and not be part of the investigation later. later. But that didn't happen because he leaves, and this is out of the blue. Like, he literally calls a meeting with employees, and he just announces it. He says it's for personal reasons, and that's it, that it, he wasn't seeing his family or something. Um but usually that's not how CEOs of Fortune 500 companies resign. There's a PR no. there's a PR campaign where they answer all the questions about everything and then they finally leave. Uh, but that didn't happen. So Ken Lay steps in 
uh, and it drops down. The stock price drops to thirty six dollars. Two more months drops down to nineteen. This is like a sixty dollar drop in less than a year. And then uh, between October and September of two thousand one, uh, Lay cashed in twenty four million dollars of his stock while it was going down. So he dumped twenty four million dollars. And just to put that in into uh, perspective, perspective. Thank you, uh, Ken Lay over. The course of its downturn, bought, sold out three hundred million dollars of his Enron stock. Jeff Skilling sold out two hundred million. Uh, Fastow sold like another fifteen million, and also got the forty-five million from his side companies. So this whole time that they're telling people invest your 401k in stock and this was thus yeah, this was the same time that they yeah, said that these men are cashing out they know it's going down yeah. and they're encouraging their employees to continue funneling money into these stocks when they know that this is going to blow up yeah so lays selling all of his uh fast out was actually fired very soon after that because they found that he made 45 million dollars in his shell companies uh and then Fastow gets indicted on charges from that. And he he pleads guilty to uh, conspiracy to commit wire fraud and takes and gives up $23 million in assets and then gets a reduced sentence of 10 years to testify against everyone else at Enron. What a little bitch. He flipped. He Carlo Bordoni'd it. Oh, yeah, he did. He flipped and he, and he took a lighter sentence to, to uh, rat on everybody else. And at this point, Enron... And then he didn't even end up serving 10 years. No, he got out. He got six, out I think. six. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he totally deserved 10 years. No, he did. He, he did pay out $23 million, though. But he made more than that. He made $45 million off of his shell companies. But that's like half. That's not enough. He made $20 million. I know, I know. That's so much money. Uh, and then the stock drops all the way to 40 cents after this. And finally, Enron... In tw- in like three weeks, no, sorry, six weeks from when Jeff Skillings stepped down as CEO, files for bankruptcy. And at 9.30 a.m., they let all of their employees know, we have filed for bankruptcy. You are all officially let go from the company. So they give them 30 minutes to get the fuck out. Like literally get their shit and get out of the building in 30 minutes. And- Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Like... No, this is. I'm just like even thinking at a restaurant for them to be like, "Hey, we're gonna close right now. You get better get your shit and leave." Yeah, and like I couldn't even imagine that. There's all these videos of the people that work there, like outside, literally crying and like hugging each other. Because I mean, I would too. They've lost everything, and they know now that their stock is worth nothing, and they've all invested in it. One of the guys, one of the linemen at at PGE, his 401k at one point he said was three hundred sixty five thousand dollars. Now all in Enron stock because it used to be PGE. You know, guess how much he sold that for? Nothing. $1,200. That makes my stomach hurt. It's one three hundredth. All that, all those years paying into that. Yep. And it's gone. It's like 20-something years. This, this that is, is like, I mean. This honestly, is what he was going to retire oh on. God. And they took it all. And that, that was every Enron employee. Uh, the average severance pay for them was $4,500. They lost all of their pensions and almost all of their 401ks. They lost their insurance, everything. Because it was all through the company. This is a very somber moment. I just feel so bad. It's fucked up. It's so horrible. Just... My God, man. Could you imagine? You They literally made 20,000 people lose everything. And that's and that's only part of it because... And you know oh, those kind of... Like, those motherfuckers have no conscience. Nope. So they don't feel bad about it. They just wanted to make money. And they did make money. Ugh! And they... That's not even the worst part of it because they're, they're... I mean, it is the worst part of it, but... It's- part of the worst they had 20,000 workers but uh their auditing company that they used uh arthur anderson it was one of the five largest accounting firms and it was actually the oldest accounting firm in america 
they were Enron's uh, accountant and auditor. So they were the ones that were supposed to look over the books and make sure that everything was correct. And it turns out that they were getting uh, they were getting paid one million dollars a week by Enron to look the other way on their books. And they ended up going under because mm-hmm. everybody lost trust in them, as they should have. And it was it was around this time also that all of these people are crying outside the Enron building. That just a couple of blocks over at the Arthur Anderson building, they were shredding literally all of their accounting files on Enron. They what was it like one point three billion? It was so many. It was so many papers. It was tons of paper. It was insane. That they shredded to hide the evidence. And they did get, they did uh, later get uh, convicted of obstructing justice. Uh, and they got, you know, you know, they, they got hit with some things, but the, the biggest, the biggest uh, repercussion to happen to them is that, yeah, one, in, as an auditor, you need to be able to be reliable because when people right. look right. at portfolios for companies and they see an auditor on there that audited this and they don't trust them they won't be able to trust anything in the report and they won't buy stock in the company right uh so they yep they ended up going under and another like twenty nine thousand people lost their jobs so this this scandal affected so many people i would almost i would maybe i'm being a little bold but i i do think that this scandal that we covered um screwed over the most people yeah uh this is the only thing that even comes close to this is probably Bernie Madoff. That's what I was thinking. Because Bernie Madoff had a lot but of But even then, yeah. they, you don't take into account all the people who got screwed with the power. You don't think of all the employees on multiple companies who lost everything where, I mean, Bernie Madoff still screwed over a ton of people. But... Yeah, that's the thing. Is like when you, when you start talking about um, like what they did in California... And what they've what they've done over the entirety of Enron being a thing, absolutely not. This is definitely the worst. Uh, and basically, with with Fastow in their corner, and now all the information they need, they end up going after obviously everyone, Ken Lay and Jeff Skilling, and uh, we already talked about what Fastow did. Uh, but Jeff Skilling ended up getting. Uh, convicted of insider trading and conspiracy to defraud investors, um, which he did plead non-guilty to and then spent $24 million on his law counsel. But he lost. (laughs) He lost. Uh, And he was sentenced to one year for every million dollars that he spent on the counsel. That's not how they did it. It just worked out that way. He got sentenced to 24 years in prison. Uh, He did not serve all of it, I will say. Uh, He served, I think... uh, 12? 12 and then he got out and he started to try to make he actually did join kind of another energy company in Colorado with Lao Pai or stripper loving Lao Pai and here's the thing the, the SEC did bar him from ever holding uh, ever holding a position or being on the being a chairman of a public company. But this one's private. Yeah as long as he keeps his business private and it doesn't enter the public sector he can do whatever he wants. So he got. I just want to punch everybody. He got out. He did have to pay money back a a little bit. Not enough, you know. It'll never be enough. It unless he can pay back everything all his employees and all the other people lost. It's not enough. Which they did sue them for it, but there's no money to get. No, you can't. When you so go ahead. Um, and then Ken Lay, the founder of Enron, really. Uh, the CEO, when it all went down, finally, uh, he got convicted of conspiracy to commit fraud. And while he was awaiting sentencing, died of a heart attack. Yeah, so he didn't even get what he deserved. Yeah. He he got all the way to the end and died right before he could ever serve a day in prison. And after all went down, they had uh, 15 guilty pleas, six convictions, and only one acquittal in the case. And I didn't find who the acquittal was it was a traitor i'm pretty sure and then the the biggest toll to come from this is someone uh that we did not mention but uh john cliff baxter who was a uh, prominent trader for them who ended up paying out 35 million dollars of his own stock while it was going down he was a he was an executive seven weeks after the bankruptcy uh 
the diagnosed manic depressive drove his car to an empty lot, wrote a note that said, uh, I used to be filled with pride and now it's gone. And he tragically shot himself. So this and the Bernie Madoff story now both included uh, the ending of someone's lives because of these people's decision uh, to screw people, to fuck people over for money. And that's what's wrong with America. That's why we made this podcast. Well, yeah, it's just so frustrating because all these men did not serve the time that they deserved to serve. No one got paid back what they deserved to be paid back. One person's life ended literally and tens of thousands of people's lives ended. They were ruined. Figuratively, because they were financially ruined because of the greed of a few people at the top of this corporation. And there were a bunch of congressional hearings where they talked with Jeff Skilling and he said that he didn't know anything, just like Ken Lay tried to say in the Valhalla scandal. And Ken Lay said the same thing. He's like, well, why would anyone tell me they were doing something illegal? But so many internal memos came out where they were literally talking about all of it. They know they did it. And yeah, that's the story of Enron. One of the, uh, now one of the biggest jokes, you'll see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, People joke about it a lot, but I mean, I didn't know all that much about it before we decided to do this. Nope. Me either. I've heard of it, obviously. But I didn't know it entailed all of this. I didn't know it screwed this many people. Yeah. Many, many people lost their livelihoods because of Enron. So you got a joke? <laughs> no, I feel very somber. I'm very sad right now. Oh, this is a really sad ending. It literally, it literally ended this with one, somebody dying. I don't know why, but this one like really affected me. It gets to you. Yeah, all of these guys are just such blatant assholes with absolutely no, no care about another no, person's life. No like, moral compass absolutely whatsoever. Not. It's just... Money. God. The Selfish Gene. Jeff Skilling's favorite book, and he lived it to a T. He he lived for himself. He lives for himself now. He's fucking smart. He's fucking (laughs) smart. By his own words. Fucking glad I'm not his wife. Yeah, it's fair. He's he's kind of. I I cannot think that he. He's an ugly man. Well, not only is he ugly, but like if that's how he treats his employees, he's ugly inside and out. He's ugly in every way. Like, great, he has a lot of money, but he's got to be emotionally abusive. I'm just gonna throw that one out there and just. Yeah. On it. He's a, a fucking asshole person, I think, is, He's is how you He's terrible. Yeah. Ah! I've done that a lot today, but yeah. ah! So, uh, that's kind of it. That's Enron. We come to an end. An Enron, if you will. An Enron. Uh, <laughs> so, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we've not had fun, but we've had a time. We went on this journey. And you were with us. <laughs> so thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week on another episode of White, White Collars, Collars, Red Hands. If you liked this week's episode, please review, rate, or share it on whatever podcasting service you use. Your support helps motivate us to create better content in the future. And if you didn't like the podcast, you can help us improve by sending an email to whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com with Amazon gift card codes and suggestions on how to improve, which we will definitely read. And remember, mo' money, mo' problems. See you next week.